Welcome everyone to episode 59 of the Slowspin Society Podcast. My name is Paul, I'm your usual co-host, and joining me as always is Rob. What's up, man? Hey guys, good morning. I'm actually awake now. I hope uh, anyone listening to the pre-show might notice the difference between the pre-show and the show today. <laughs> it is early. relatively early in London. Uh, yeah. It is a completely reasonable time in Tokyo, but we had to make it work. We had to make it work. Uh, yeah. Today, we are making a little experiment and... Yeah give you a small idea we're gonna draw what i call the loop but if you want to hear more about me going in a loop from when i was 14 years old and i had like an iphone 4 well i got a new iphone yeah i went back to it so if you want to hear more about that then you should listen to the pre-show you can access the extended conversation at patreon.com slash podcast but let's get into the show Fantastic. Let's do this. Let's do this. All right. So here is the idea. Fixed gear in itself is like many other things, a trend, right? And we all know that trends do one thing is they go around, right? So what comes around goes around. Uh, I don't know, like even fashion wise, sports wise, like 90s clothing and the tracksuit bottoms out. Yeah. Yeah. Haircuts, mullets. The mullet is huge again. (laughs) Oh my God. Mullets. No, no. Yeah. So today I thought it could be interesting to actually draw this loop that we in and to go around it three times past, present and future. Oh, I like the future concept. That's nice. There is four main points on that loop, and I'll tr- I will try to make like some sort of a, like a drawing or something that I will put in the show notes. But I determined four main points into that loop. So we have mm-hmm. the origin, and then we have yeah. getting traction, then going mainstream. And finally, the retreat. So when basically a trend is dying. (laughs) Okay. So we're going to start with the origins uh, and with our past loop, right? If that makes sense for everybody, let's get into it. If that doesn't make sense to to you, you just rewind like two minutes in the podcast and then (laughs) try to figure it out. I'm sure uh, the guys will pick it up as we go along, as long as we know what we're talking about. (laughs) So, origins uh, of fixed gear. Well, we kind of went on it for uh, a a few times already, but we know that it started with New York City messengers, right? Yeah. And yeah. So, started with New York City messengers, and they were themselves riding already not old track bikes, but track bikes from, you know, like previous years, they were just getting those bikes on the street. Yeah. And that's kind of a really, really, really bare bone 
uh, origin story of our culture. It's drag bikes meant to be ridden around the velodrome, uh, brought to the street, mainly by messengers, mainly yeah. from New York City. Um, yeah. Do you know, like, actually nobody knows um, when or where exactly skateboard is from? Like, apparently, it kind of uh, appeared in completely different parts of the world all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I've watched a few documentaries and it kind of pops up in different places and putting the wheels onto a board. It's a lot of surfing culture, isn't it? Yeah. Um, a lot of surfers couldn't surf all the time and they wanted to practice. So, yeah, the small board and then a set of like, I think like roller skate wheels and whatever was made and hashed together, wasn't it, in the beginning from different parts of the world? Yeah. Yeah. But then it died again because it, it was it was like a popular fad for for many years, I think, in what, the 40s? No. I don't know. 50s, 50s maybe. And it was kind of mainstream, like Sunday morning with your kids and your polo T-shirt for like middle-class people. And then obviously it became more underground and then nobody marketed it and it died again. And then it came back in the 60s. Big. That's basically what we're going to go over today. Yeah. Yeah. So origin story Because is it, pretty it, short. In Within. Yeah, but it, it is short. But within the short space of time from even like 2002 onwards, that's it. The peaks and troughs, the peaks and the highs and lows have been quite, uh, quite big ones. Oh, yeah, already, no, 100%. Already, yeah, it's already had quite a few ups and downs in the short time that it's been a thing. Yeah. Um, but then I got, we go on to our next pinpoint, which is getting traction. And this is where uh, I really find some interesting things. Uh, for example, you know, like people having kind of new riding styles, not only messengers, but other people getting onto track bikes. Mm -hmm. And then the creation of some crews, Macaframa, MASH, etc. And I think something that is really, really interesting to look at uh, into when we're going to go a few laps around that loop is the evolution of a time of are the people of the wheels people are using. Mm. So what do you reckon was the thing to have when, I don't know, like MASH and Macaframa was, was around? I'm going to have to say from not that much experience from them times, but you would look at any old velodrome track uh, stock and you'd be looking at Dura Ace hubs would be top of the, would be, Or any of the original Campagnoli. I'm sure there was a lot of Campag stuff, like old Campag hubs and uh, Dura Ace hubs that people would pick up for super cheap and reservice because the Barons were all, you know, you could service that shit yeah. really well. That must have been, I think, in the 90s and, and, and early 2000s. The, the original, the original like low flange, old track service stuff that was, you know, you could service the bearings and take everything out, take the guts out and put it all back together would have been 
high would have been the, the the nicest rolling stuff on the road i'm sure yeah and when it comes to the rim the deep v Oof. was so popular the deep v the velocity and stuff yeah the velocity deep v they were they were huge hey yeah there's everybody had them the like velocity made so many limited edition of them yeah and, yeah. yeah the, the deep v was everywhere um so let's let's keep that in mind uh for uh for our next lap but yeah the dip v was everywhere you had to have a pair of those uh either in black either in gold either in purple green i think every I think I color lime, was lime green yeah lime oh, yeah. green with a braking surface yeah 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 they make yeah pretty much everything yeah um what? They're still putting out. They're still putting out mad colors like baby blues and kind of quite unique colors, even in their latest ones. Oh, dude, yeah, definitely. Like for example, the I think the blunt SS, uh, one of their widest rim they have, um, or even the Velocity Elron, you can uh -huh. custom order them into oh, really? pretty much any anodizing you want. Yeah, sick. That's mad. That's mad. Another thing that um, uh, I, I looked for is fixed gear cycling. Um, kind of, of course, kind of went world ride, right? Uh, and mm -hmm. it was like events and movies and stuff like that. Even if it, even if it had like some big clusters, you know, like New York, San Francisco's. Um, San Francisco, other cities, but it kind of went worldwide, and it was interesting to see how different community were adding their own touches to the sport. So, for example, that was kind of the era of super, super, super short flat bars. You remember that? Mm, my God, yeah. The shorter, the better. The shorter, the better. Which was completely debunked afterward, but yeah, the shorter the better was kind of the motto. I mean, I remember brands even, I mean, people would just chop any aluminium bar down, whatever, or steel, but whatever, just cut their bars down. But then Fixie brands picked up on that, like even like the charge plug, the first few first generations of the charge and stuff, they came with a completely flat, like only grip length bar out of the box it was short it was it, yeah it, it was the the brands were even so like it was just such a thing to do that the brands were selling the, the only people selling complete bikes were selling them with super short rises <laughs> out of the box and it was like a cool thing even other things that super short risers but for example the the way the culture was in japan um you know at that time it was tubulars all day every day mm. because people just thought it was it was feeling better to ride on tubulars and it was actually kind of easier to change a tubular that exploded than you know like switching tires in tube um but yeah like it was really interesting how different communities around the world they kind of adapt adapted the hobby to their own practices 
So it was more popular, you would say, to have tubular in Japan, to have like a, a Mavic tubular rim or something a little bit older and just run tubular tires. Well, again, we haven't touched on the size of tires. Everything was like 19C or 23C. Oh, wasn't yeah. It? So, tu- so tubular was way more um, effective then because it, nobody run wider. I mean, if people were running 25C at the time, were like, whoa, what, what the It was that? way more run- effective. It was easier to slide because I guess at the time, the main thing to do if you had a fixed gear was to uh, do skids, right? That was the f- that was the fun part in it. Yeah, yeah. And easy to get because so many road shop had, you know, like tubulars. And the thing is, we think about old Mavics, old Campanulo, Shamal, or stuff like that. At the time, that was not old. That was standard, you know? Exactly. Yeah, that was standard. They were good. They were just the known rims. I mean, look at the selection we've got now compared to what we had available to it in 2000 to 2010. The, the yeah. massive difference in 15 years. It's crazy. And um, yeah. the last thing I, w- I kind of wanted to add into that point was, you know, the, the surge of local community events, um, Alley Cats, movies like i said before and even like small shops going full on selling fixier stuff yeah 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 (laughs) yeah there's a few shops that popped up just fixed gear orientated because it was such a thing it was such a thing um and then the next step after that is usually going full-on mainstream right so that's where the brand starts to caught up. And you were talking about the charge plug. But mm-hmm. for example, we also had the, you know, like that whole lot of terrible looking uh, specialized Langster. Oh, God, yeah. Went so, so many, many of bad them. Phases. Bad, oh, so, many so, bad phases. so many bad ones. I uh, also remember like specialized even made like a trick track bike. At some point, specialized it. Uh, yeah, specialized it. Um, and a version of the Langster, think, or like a different version? No, no, it was like still too big, and it was, uh, you know, 40, 14 millimeter axles. So for BMX hubs, really, uh, that was a full-on fixed gear freestyle thing. I don't remember that bike. There is a video of Tom Lamarch um, being sponsored by. Um, by specializing in writing this and making some huge jumps. That's also another thing is sponsor athletes, you know? Yeah. Brands are like, you, oh, yeah, this looks pretty popular. Uh, we'll sponsor someone. I think that's the same about the same time when Mongoose and Volume and a lot of the BMX brands brought out stuff. And I remember the Mongoose Maurice coming out. Do you remember that bike? Yeah. And then they sponsored this BMX rider who'd never even rode fixed before and put out like YouTube videos of him first building the bike and riding the bike and properly shredding it. And he was doing, he had no straps and no brakes. He'd never ridden fixed (laughs) gear before. He'd gone straight from BMX and they were like, here, ride this. And I think that was pretty much the early point where there wasn't really straps around. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But yeah, sponsorship was... That's, that shows you how much traction the, the trend has yeah. for 
all of those brands at that time, big brands, like you're talking about specialized, you know, everyone was putting out a track bike or something of a version of it and sponsoring riders like back in the day when sponsorship was actually a thing. You can also like count like the Sinelli Mash collab into this, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sinelli has always been a massive brand and Mash being such a minor crew, uh, getting a deal like that, I think it was huge. Yeah, it was huge. It was massive. Uh, so, so yeah, that's that's definitely a, another thing. And was all that you know, like face gear going mainstream? We had all those cool new frames from big bike industries. We also had a ton of shitty stuff that we still see today. And I'm thinking about bikes that were made for commuters who thought fixed gear was cool, but they were in fact single speeds. And yeah, we yeah. ended up with that that wave, that tsunami of terrible, terrible, really, really colorful bikes. <laughs> Um, and I remember, they are yeah. terrible because they are a mix of many, many bad, bad parts. Uh, I am not saying that you can't upgrade them to make something absolutely decent out of them, but the way they came out of the box, plus yeah, the fact you- that they were so colorful. <laughs> the geo was terrible. I mean, there was a lot of commuters, a lot of companies which were like, oh, we can mass market this and put like full mud guards and fenders on it and two brakes and a rack. And, to, and people think six single speed is great to get to work because they ride in a flat city and they produced a bunch of like long top tube, like touring for, with still a quite low bottom bracket. And they were, they were coming as like a two brake commuter fixie with mud guard with, with every, with all of the bells and whistles. And they were terrible. They were really bad. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's, oh no, I have one more point. Um, yeah. The the level of the events went up from something local and organized by friends to full on blown Red Hook Crit and all that stuff. Huge compared. Yeah, yeah. Like. Red Hook Crit was massive. It was sponsored by, I think, Rockstar. Um, yeah, yeah. What year was the first Red Hook Crit? Do you remember? The first... I mean, the first Red Hook Crit was probably at Red Hook. But I think one of the most memorable one of every season was the one in Barcelona. Mm. Okay. I've seen... So much shenanigans coming out from Barcelona, <laughs> Barcelona's Red Hook Crit, the wildest parties, etc. I've never went there, uh, but uh, I wish, I wish I did. I visited Barcelona, but I've never ridden there, and I'd like to ride there this year. I'd love to uh, yeah. see the city from from the bike. It's quite good. Riding in the city is something, but riding in the city with all your buddies from around the world. That yeah. must be absolutely insane. Yeah. It's a good feeling. It must be a good feeling. 
I know the fixed Berlin lot might be going out to Barcelona this year, so try and join oh, yeah? them on that trip. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. And maybe the brakeless cycling guys from Hamburg as well, so it might be a nice crew of, of people out there. So hopefully I'll try and book when some would time. That be? When? Yeah. I can check the dates with Matty, um, right. but it's going to be August, I think. All right. Well, I'm free yeah. in August. Yeah, that would be pretty sick. That would be pretty sick. Yeah, let's go ride Barcelona. <laughs> let's go yeah. ride the wave. Let's go ride the wave. <laughs> I love Barcelona. Uh, the food's amazing. The drink's amazing. The beach is two minutes. The countryside is two minutes. And the city's like old and lush. It's the city, city is basically a giant skate park. Yeah, it's just a giant skate park as well. Yeah, it's literally designed like the best place in the world. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I think I, I might. I might be like a because I live on the other side of France, but I might be yeah. probably like a six hours drive from Barcelona. Oh, sick! Yeah, so you could just drive over. I could probably just drive over. Yeah, but it might co- it might cost less to actually take the plane with a bike. <sighs> Cost less to take the plane with a bike. Because gas is so expensive. And oh, highways. Yeah. What about train? Train is a good idea, actually. I need to... I don't know. I'll figure this out. Because the train might only be like three hours. Three or four hours. And you can potentially just wheel your bike straight on. I would check that I out. I mean, I know that the Spanish train, like rail system, isn't as big as the French one. I know they use bus a whole lot. I hate traveling by bus. We'll see. We'll <laughs> see. Um, okay, so going on to my next and final final point for our loop is the retreat. So a general loss of interest into the hobby and... Yeah, for example, my main examples for this are, for example, MASH instantly stopping their collab Mm -hmm. uh, after 10 years. Also, a bunch of shops closing, you know, or shifting um, towards more conventional road bike or gravel cycling, but also the industry in, in general just shifting gears in our case that was a lot towards gravel cycling yeah um and i don't know like a, uh, and also prime uh prime example of that was aventon you know aventon mm. was all the fucking rage at some point people hated them people loved them uh it was the fixed gear brand that was one of the big fixed gear brand now you go on the website, they don't analyze a bit that yeah, you cannot, they were doing on their fixed website, gear you can't at some even point. Find the fix, yeah, yeah, it's hard to even yeah. find the fixed gear section on their website now. And yeah. they're only selling e-bikes. It's all it's the e-bikes sell now. and e-bike, yeah, yeah. They're like, yeah. they, they reinvented themselves in a snap like that, just like that. Even the Instagram is is just yeah, that's yeah, funny. 
I'm just the doers still their fixed gear side. I think is predominantly distribution. So you've got Bricklane Bikes, you've got a few shops still pushing Aventon as like mm-hmm. a main fixed gear brand. But as a face of their brand, the it's 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 a family city comfy e bike brand now. Totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Do you you you've seen the culture kind of go down at some point like I did? What what do you think about that? Because even if we know now it went down, it's not like we noticed on the spot. Oh, there is nobody riding fixed gear anymore. It's more like oh, there is way less and less and less people coming to the group rides, you know, or. We're seeing less and less new stuff by the big brands. Bro, I lived in Newcastle, so we're like 10 years behind London. So <laughs> we, we, I heard about fixed gear and started in what, 2010, 2009, 2010. And yeah, had the first conversions and was fully hyped when there was a, there was, we had, our own little alley cats. We had our own little races. We had our own crew of everyone riding fixed gear. And we were yeah, all riding velocity rims with uh, specialized Langsters and uh, Mongoose Maurices and Focal 44s or, yeah, Bare Knuckle. Do you remember Bare Knuckle, the brand from the US? Oh, yeah, Bare Knuckle. Yeah, yeah. Ollie, Ollie, my friend from the bike shop, had a Bare Knuckle, which was sick in, like, lime green um which was a one inch eighth steel fork like uh-huh. um like a, like a lugged steel fork so it had like the design of a an original track frame super tight you still got that bike it's really nice um yeah so by the time the first wave for me had ended in like 2000 and what 2012 2014 between that mm-hmm. like I just all of a sudden I was the only one on a track bike still. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, I'm just riding to uni. When I moved to Leeds, I guess at that point, I'm still blasting on on a fixie and still loving fixies. But there was no scene in Leeds at the point at that point because I remember there was quite a big community in Leeds. Um, but when by the time I'd moved there, there was hardly anyone. There was there was a few people going on rides, but. By that point, it just died, and it was just a bike, and I didn't see any any more videos pop up or heard. Personally, I probably wasn't following the community the, the way I am now, well, definitely, but I just, yeah, all of a sudden, people were just like, fixies, what's, what's a fixie? And it just went back to not knowing anything about it. That's also something I feel it came uh, when it went mainstream is the word fixie. Yeah, exactly. Whoever yeah. created that, fuck off. Just fuck you. <laughs> A big old middle finger to you because I don't like it. A fixie. Yeah. You know I know I know what you when mean. I, yeah, when I when I was younger, uh, my mom or, or my dad, especially my dad, who is really big into motorcycles, he had you know, every time he had frame uh, friends over, um, like, oh yeah, Paul is really into fixies, and I was like, no, <laughs> Dad, 
It's called a fixed gear track bike. You can't call it that way. <laughs> oh man, I know the feeling. I had friends in in, in Newcastle, a couple of friends who would be like, yo, fixie, fixie, fixie Rob, yo. And they're just, just like, because I had a couple of track bikes <laughs> and like nobody else was riding track bikes and they didn't even ride bikes. They were just like, fixie. Hey, fixie, yeah, yeah, the fixies, fixie rob, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Riding, God, riding, yeah, riding fixies, doing skits. I was like, oh, God. That's and, something uh, I still yeah. heard today. I still hear yeah. today is, yeah. oh, bro, nice fixie. Dude, I'm going <laughs> to rip your head off. <laughs> I, I agree. I don't love the word fixie as a descriptive name for what for the bike. Yeah. <laughs> He's in the fixies. <laughs> so yeah so on, on on to that that kind of closed our first lap around that loop so yeah. that was past loop now present loop or where are we now and of course our origin is our heritage from the previous loops so everything that happened before um and similarities that can be found between you know, uh, previous loop and now is people that started getting track bikes out of the velodrome onto the streets were already using kind of old track bikes, you know, Fixier mm-hmm. has never been really on the cutting edge, uh, when compared to road bikes. Yeah. And what can you see on the streets right now? Well, you see some old carbon looks, some rarely old carbon fest, Cannondale tracks, BMC, old carbon BMCs, um, and also old steel track bikes. But 20 years ago, people were using track bikes from the, uh, from the Velodrome that were 10, 20 years old. People yeah. today use on the streets track bikes that are 10, 20 years old. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's one of the similarities that we can we see between those loops, you know. Part of why uh we we are again seeing that peak into popularity fixed gear is also massively thanks to um you know people that kind of survivors, you know, people that mm-hmm. never let the hobby down and were continuously getting into it and pushing through it for example matt reyes yeah big shout out to matt reyes as always as always he kind of never let it down for some reason yeah and kept it going which is pretty intense have you ever seen the first movie transformers yeah do you remember at the end when optimus prime is like uh, this is a call to all the Autobots. I found a nice place. It's called Hearst. You guys are welcome. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that. It's like, I am making an appeal to every survivor that's out there. We shall rise again. Fixie is still alive. Come join us and come together and we'll make it something again. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that before, but Paul, that's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I think we need to do a, a meme of Matt Reyes calling out. He can be Optimus As Prime. As Optimus Prime. 
<laughs> we shall keel spin together. And he transforms into a fixed gear bike. Oh my god. He he transforms and, into uh what was he riding at the beginning? An Affinity Low Pro. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good co comic book, though. The Fixie Transformers. <laughs> Do you not reckon? Yeah, I mean, it sounds pretty terrible, but if some crazy if editor someone, could make it work. I'm sure. If anyone out there can make a Fixie Transformer comic book, I'd love to see it. <laughs> yeah. It's like... I only do skids when I'm in, I am in my bike form. I never let skids marks when I'm on my human form. Exactly. exactly. This is my policy. <laughs> the bike doesn't seem like a sizable factor or form to transform into from human size. Or does it? No, I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't think it's the same volume or mass or anything. It, yeah, it doesn't... <laughs> Seems feasible, you know. And is there is there a logic where like a big buff guy transform into a mountain bike, and... or like a fixed gear freestyle like twenty six inch with like super <laughs> white tires and like BMX bars and BMX stem and stuff, oh <laughs> and he grinds but, and he's like, wait, wait, wait. Like... If people transform into bikes, who rides them? No, they just ride themselves. Oh, like in cars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Or they transform into like the rider and the bike as one. That, that sounds terrible. It sounds like <laughs> a, a really cheap carrying. version of Avatar. So, so carrying, carrying on. Yeah. So coming back to our origin stories where that's kind of it. Uh, putting the, the terrible people transforming bike or bike transforming people aside. Oh man. Then <laughs> I thought we were then, onto something there. <laughs> <laughs> then um onto our second point, getting traction. Social media. Hundred percent social media made such a huge fucking impact onto our culture. Yeah. Nice pictures of bikes and as we all love the aesthetic of a clean fixed gear bike, people that took good pictures of them just kind of then allowed that image, those images to get around the world much quicker through social media. And then people were like, damn, that's cool. I like, totally agree. There's, yeah. also, there's also that thing where when fixed gear, it is such an easy object to understand. You see an image yeah. from a, a fixed gear bike and 99% of the time, you know already everything that's on it. Yeah, you know? yeah. I know those are the race cranks and fill hubs and... Yeah. It's not like looking at a road bike where you're yeah. like, oh, what shifters do they have? Oh, that's more carbon than anything else. Oh, yeah, cool chain. <laughs> cool chain. <laughs> yeah, you must have like 11 gears. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like, the beauty of being able to say clean, I mean, how many people have been influenced by Amy, uh, Amy Danger and all of those people who were kept putting content out quite early of their bikes. 
And yeah, you're right. You can see every component. You're like, ah, those work really well together. You can see the cleanness of it. You can see the geo quite easily because of the picture being so nice. You can actually see, almost see how you would imagine writing it, I think. Yeah. And another thing that also, uh, I think, pushed their culture forwards a lot is track lacrosse. Track mm-hmm. lacrosse became massive into the last few years. And and the the fact that some event mixed track lacrosse and track lacrosse for fun, a lot of people discovered fixed gear through track lacrosse. Like, what the fuck are those people doing riding track bikes? <laughs> In the in the mud was our brakes. Why would you do that? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. They still exist, but Macaframa or or Mash or other crews um, appear in our previous loops. We now have new crews, and last week we talked Oof. with the Pirates, Fixier Berlin. There's so many. Important crews, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, around the world that are putting out content, edits, products, all that stuff. Builds, yeah, yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, I love it. I I absolutely love seeing that small cities and small towns are popping up crews. based on content from the bigger crews and other riders out there and they're they're they influenced in a good way to all i see generally is people having fun man like meeting up in, the same as we do in any city meet up at a flat spot hang with some friends chat to new people chat about bikes try some tricks out try start from the beginning and just have fun and then go on a ride you know what I mean? Yeah. All I see is the the, the, the influence and done by this social media trend at the moment of fixed gear culture and crews and brands is is fun. Yeah. I don't see any negative light on it at all. No, absolutely not. And some of those communities are, some of those crews are kind of sometimes reinventing some part yeah. of the culture, you know? Yeah. Uh, people that got really into track lacrosse, uh, I talked about last time, or even, um, for example, Fix Gear Berlin that got so much into tricks, yeah, and other other crews that just created new tricks out of nowhere, you know, out yeah, of yeah. thin air. People are just, oh yeah, I could probably do a three sixty on a completely flat surface on my Fix Gear. Why not? Yeah. And then you see innovations in the bike builds as well and people combining different styles of uh, fixed gear or BMX or track lacrosse or, you know, using different components and making their bike suit them, which is quite an interesting thing that we've got going on. There is a lot of different bike builds now. There's not just the original, like like you said in the beginning, the heritage of New New York, um, people riding old NGS, old, old one-inch stuff. Yeah, they were super custom to each rider with their small bars and whatnot. But now, fucking hell, you see a crew and the selection of bikes is mad. There is also the selection of parts is, is so much bigger now. What, the selection of parts? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. There is so much stuff to, to yeah, to choose from. And you remember we talked about the divvies. Mm. What do you reckon is the kind of equivalent of the divvies today? I mean, the most common rim I see everywhere is is the H plus sun. Yeah, the archetypes. The archetypes, yeah. Everybody has a pair or had a pair of archetypes, I feel. They're everywhere. Yeah. I don't see... Uh, you don't go to a group now and not see a, someone riding archetypes. Yeah. Yeah. And, with what, for example... With what hubs, though? With what hubs? Ah, oh, I mean, mm-hmm. it it varies, but it can go from... It can go from, like, Novatech hubs to, I guess, Phil Hood. You know, yeah. like... There is a, a wide there, range. There's a wide range from. now. Yeah. But for example, eh, like 10, I mean, there was 10 or like, yeah, 10, 15 years ago into the Macaframa movie. Um, you remember that guy was the Bianchi Pista was a, a zip disc on the back and a channel yeah. on the front. Yeah. Yeah. The equivalent of that right now is pretty much. So a channel at the time was. Yeah, not not that. I mean, it was not that new anymore, but it wasn't vintage at all. And <laughs> and like people nowadays just got like crazy fucking carbon rims in the front, and they still have a disc zip in the back, but it's, it's just newer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you see less and less discs now, like less and less. Yeah, but I mean. Less and less disc, but there's still a lot of people that are writing like tri spokes, or even I think the the thing that everybody drooled on at some point, and what everybody is trying to get right now is a ten, a ten years old or eight years old pair of um, zips. You know, you get yeah. an old pair of four four, and you re- relace them to track hubs, and people are so keen for that. Yeah. But they look really great when they've been cleaned up and laced to a new set of hubs. And I think it looks beautiful. Yeah. The Spinergies. You've got a set, haven't you? Front and Yeah, rear. the Spinergies. Spinergies. Yeah, those. Well, those were discontinued, but people who guy. rode Spinergy front wheels before, it's kind of. It kind of evolved into like I felt like three spokes are really popular nowadays. Yeah, definitely. There's a guy in Berlin called Ferdy. He's he's a cool guy, good rider. He rides like a kind of very interesting build with like a low rise BMX bar, BMX stem, and freestyle fork and a front twenty six inch spinnergy. Oh my god! Yeah. It's a wild bike. It it seems like going into like completely different opposite direction. Like let's make <laughs> let's make a strong uh, fork with some strong <laughs> stem and bars and a completely weak ass sprinter G front wheel. Yeah, yeah. But that guy rides, man. He's really really talented, and he's got such a heavy gear ratio, and he just pops wheelies like nobody's business. Um, Interesting rider. 
Yeah, his bike is right very now. unique. It's cool as fuck, actually, his bike. He's a cool guy. Hmm. All right. Um, yeah. So going on to where we are right now is, I mean, or almost, is basically going back being mainstream. So Definitely. again, again, I mean, we are kind of a prime example of that. You know, like a podcast on Figs Gear. <laughs> Never <laughs> happened before. Yeah. Kinda. Kinda. Um, and so much new medias every day, all around. Um, edits and, of course, like Instagram or TikToks are such easy platforms to post a little bit of content every day. Yeah. Um, so there's that, and there's also we're seeing like new brands, new builders, Engine Eleven, Scream, Corey York, all those of new stuff. We are still, and this is you know again repeating the loop. We are again um, seeing like manufacturers creating shit fixed gears. And um, big up to 6KU. Big up to 6KU. Uh, big up for, to Santa Fixie for that terribly looking, ugly ass track lacrosse of yours. Um, if I you have that, that bike, what I rode that bike the other day. Tom Axlepper's got one in London, he's got like a freestyle fork, nice set of wheels on it, filled with hubs, and it, the, the bike rides really nice. <laughs> Really right. nice. <laughs> it still <laughs> looks like a boss to me. <laughs> the top tube's so long. It's insane. It is so long. Uh and yeah, uh it was made out of BMX tubing, right? Yeah, uh four three one. Four one so, uh yeah. I must be so heavy. Mm, it wasn't that heavy. Wasn't heavy. It wasn't than, that heavy. Wasn't that heavier than any other steel setup? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I might have okay, to see it for okay, myself okay. then. <laughs> uh, I'll send you the links to Tomac Slapper because he's a really good rider, and you can check out. He's actually sponsored by Santa Fixed. Santa <laughs> <laughs> Don't laugh. <laughs> yeah. I'm not laughing because he is because the shit is bad or anything. It's just. He, him being sponsored by Santa Fixie makes me laugh. I know. I knew you'd laugh at that. Um, I'm going to put his bike pictures, give to you to put into the show notes because it's a nice build. All right. Um, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Move, well, moving on. Uh, no, also, way more official events and group ride again, you yeah. know. Yeah. We had the dip without anything, and now people are organizing night rides all around the globe in all every major city. Place. Yeah, it's and so sick. We have more official criterium races, even like semi-official track lacrosse races. Um, mm -hmm. uh, more alley cats, just more events in general. Any new shops popping up? Any new shops popping up? I feel, I feel now it's still a more digital, you know, 
Yeah. What about the KTF crew? When did their shop open, the Faith Gear shop? Is there... It was... It's already open. It's been open for a while, yeah, I, mean, I believe. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, when did it open? It's been open a while, yeah. But I don't know no, it's if been they, open like... For a while. Yeah, it's sick, though. Yeah. It's really sick. Wait, where are they based again? Uh, Taiwan? I think you're right, yeah. 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 Yeah, I believe Taiwan. But yeah, exactly uh, that. I mean, that that is a shop fully dedicated to fixed gear, which is cool. Yeah. And there is also that thing where a lot of shops uh, do allow a part of their space for fixed gear, you know. I feel like it's, it's going to still be pretty rare to see a full-on blown only fixed gear shop. But... Even if we have like more shops that have a fixed year part to them, I feel it's good it's enough. At some yeah. Point. yeah, 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 absolutely. It's better than just nothing. Yeah, I mean, look at Dost Novena. That's a brand. That's a yeah. styled brand, fully based on fixed gear, and pushing the lifestyle or their version of the lifestyle out there. You know that they got bought by Center Fixie though. That can't be true. It is true. <laughs> You're fucking joking. No, I'm not. Do you know? Do you remember like what? a year and a half ago or like two years ago when they have redone the entire visual identity? Dustin Vendor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now you know why. What? Because they got money from Santa Fixed because they're now owned by Santa Fixed. Yeah. That that can't be true. Is that true? I I, I am ninety percent sure it is true. Why Why is there ten percent of hesitation then? Because you're making me hesitate. But well, I'm did 90% you read it somewhere, sure it or did you hear it somewhere? I believe I read it somewhere. I will. I will find proof. We, we'll look into that. Proof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll look, look into, into that. that. But yeah, okay, I'm still ninety cool. percent sure it is the case. All right. Once I've got the proof, I'll make my deductions and uh, say <laughs> something about it. <laughs> say something about it. I might have a comment yeah. or two. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everyone, Aiding Paul here. So I am coming back onto that Santa Fixie uh, Dos Noventas thing. So. What I am seeing right now, I found that article from 2020 that I will link into the show notes. But the title is Dos Noventa Relives in Santa Fixie. Relives meaning like living through, right? So Dos Noventa living through Santa Fixie. It seems pretty clear to me or maybe it is just my interpretation or bad wording. But they're talking about keeping that identity that famous nostamenta identity but taking a step back and starting from the beginning i don't know it feels like santa fixie acquired dostaventa uh, this is how i see it plus i don't see any contact or address uh, onto the dostaventa page so yeah i don't know i didn't find any more infos uh 
but I will link it in the show notes and you guys can tell me what you think. And if you have more infos, then yeah, uh, I'd like to know. All right, that's it. Well, then we can just jump into it because we're like, we're going to run out of time, but uh, we can jump onto our next point, which is like, again, the retreat. And why do you think, is it going to, why do you think our, the, the actual popularity peak of figures here might just fade out? Do I think it might was the question or, or when? No, it's it? like, why, <laughs> why it's going to, it's going to fade. It's a good question because I keep thinking, uh, I keep looking at it like skateboarding or BMX, but it's really not, is it? It's it's a form of bike. It's a form of riding. So, as skating and and BMX to me is is you know it's not a mode of transport. It can be a mode of transport, but it's predominantly yeah. a trick progression thing. It's it, it, it's you go to the skate park you take the BMX to the to the street spot. It's not a daily commute where fixed gear can crosses over into what is seen as just riding to work. You know what I mean? And um, mm-hmm. I think that's where it can potentially dro- peak and trough because other trends come along like gravel or, um, I don't know, city commuters or e-bikes or whatever. Single speed, I think, will always exist in terms of, a, a form of a, a, a way the bike is built, but potentially has <coughs> quite an easy way, an easy way to break the wave is a new form of cycling that people then that is marketed and becomes more popular because it's still, it is riding. I think it'll always be there for sure. And I think potentially there will be now a stronger core, um, following for the aesthetics and the ride quality because of social media because of brands still pushing it they'll always be it but i'm not sure how big it would be i think it'll definitely is at the moment going to quite a high peak and i think brands and sponsors will look to market it again it's coming soon but then you know a new wave of marketing campaigns or, or using something else will come along as well. Yeah. It could also be like just, yeah, no, definitely. Um, it could also be just people getting, you know, like growing out of it, getting tired yeah. of it. Pretty exactly. Much, yeah. Pretty simply. Yeah. And also brands at, at some point, they're going to figure it out. Hey, wait, we're not going to make, we're, we're not making that much money with this. Why are we still doing yeah. this? Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, but, but I don't think that's take, yet. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, definitely not. But let's take things one step further, uh, and think about our future loop. Yo. So what does the future reserve for us? Again, our origin, uh, is going to come from people that still rides fixed gear into that deep. Um, and then before it get popular, before it gets popular again. Mm-hmm. Um, but is is there going to be like, I don't know, like a next form, a new form of social media medias? Or are the people surviving? Like, for example, um, how Matt Reyes did was to 
create some sort of a totally new form of writing and people are like wow this is this is so cool let's 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 dive into this you know mm -hmm. um so how do you think it's going to come back <coughs> i think community is the key i think the 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 main thing that's going to keep it going and what's going to grow it into the future is the fact that it is uh community based for night rides and socializing i think that alone is enough with the ability of uh, using social media now and actually communicating with people much easier and putting videos and images out of night rides and having fun i think you're still going to find that as a subculture it's going to continue to blossom and grow because it's inclusive of anyone that can ride a bike and the skill level to step into riding fixed gear um is 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 not a huge progression if you've come from any bike if you can ride a bike you can learn to ride a fixie it takes a bit of time to get used to but i th think as a subculture of riding and the community side i think it's going to continue to grow if it grows and it starts yeah. getting traction we now know that the the thing is the logic thing is to some stuff will repeat themselves and evolve into like similar but a little bit different way uh, way i think what's going to happen is you know like recently with road bikes and gravel bikes we've been pushed through so many new standards mm -hmm. um carbon's monocoque everywhere mm -hmm. you know like it's not it's not a luxury thing anymore it's like carbon standard now Mm -hmm. um carbon monocoque and through axles uh mm -hmm. so normal wheel sets are unusable if you don't switch the hubs which is a lot of hustles for a lot of people so many other things rim brakes you know like stuff like that mm -hmm. i feel like the second hand market is gonna be huge filled with stuff probably people are gonna figure it out that they can they can build something pretty rad for pretty cheap yeah and people building rat things posting them on the internet or showing them is gonna get other people want to build other rat things yeah and i think it's it could be one of the main reason why there is that big popularity hit again Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at my bikes. <laughs> and, 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 and no, but thinking about like what you're saying, you know, like I have carbon rims. I have, you know, you look at mental hubs as affordability price. You look at, you know, all my like SRAM Omni cranks are used. My Thompson stuff is used market. Uh, Azumi chains are 20 quid, whatever. You know, DT Swiss rims on mental hubs, hand built wheel set isn't as if you can build the wheels yourself isn't as expensive as it would have been a you know five years ago uh, for uh, for that quality you can build bikes now um the way you want them quite comfortably we're using the secondhand market and new market for brands like like mental for example like a brand like what's mental as a track hub brand it's only what two years old they've been making bmx hubs but yeah um yeah so i totally agree um that's a really nice thing at the moment that you can see 
pictures online, get inspired by what people are riding, see the community doing their night rides, get into it, be make it affordable, make it custom and bespoke to yourself and uh, enjoy it and enjoy the ride and the learning and the progression of riding the bike a bit more advanced than your average daily guy riding with his guy or girl riding to work and have more fun on the street and have more fun at the night rides in the community. And yeah, I think it's yeah. going to continue to grow at the moment. And I think we'll see a nice, nice few next years of, of potentially brands using fixed gear as a marketing tool and potentially grows even bigger. We might see other brands popping up and other shops and, and I like this crossover of like, um, like you said, track lacrosse to cycle cross to gravel. You know, people that do bags who make straps also make. There's a, there's a lot of like the the bag stuff on the track lacrosse and on the fixie, going crossing over from adventure riding and all that. There's a lot of crossovers, and I agree with what you said earlier. I like the fact that even in the shop, if they've got just a fixed gear section now, is cool. Even if they've got basic stuff that you can actually pop in and buy, you know, we don't have to have full independent fixed gear shops because that would just not make sense. So, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's nice. Do you think one day it would be so mainstream that we're going to see, uh, for example, fixed gear crit cycling into the Olympics? Or even let's get crazy track lacrosse at some somewhat of an official level. I don't see why not. I, I don't see why crit racing and track lacrosse can't be, you know, a thing. It's just another form of, you know, cycle cross. And it's fun. And it's stripped down. And, and it's and fun. Crit, yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not, you know me, I'm not that into the crit scene as much as I should be, or at least follow it. But for me, crit racing is quite a high level uh, performance race. And I don't see why that should, that shit shouldn't progress. But I don't know about the Olympics. Maybe go even wilder, Maybe. fixed gear freestyle, but I'd, I wouldn't want to see that in the, the Olympics. I mean, skateboards I mean, got all the way to the Olympics. Yeah, it's cool as fuck watching the skateboard in the Olympics. Yeah. And BMX. So, and BMX. And BMX. Yeah. And BMX. Um, and and finally, uh, closing our third loop, there is one really, really obvious way that I can see Figs Gear dying again, even in the future. Yeah. Cities Please. are getting super, oh, yeah. super severe. And yeah. with technology, facial recognition, AI, traffic management, all that stuff, crossing a red light today is easy. Crossing a red light in 20 years, like the money will instantly be debited from your bank account. Are you talking about Tokyo by any chance? Uh... I mean, it could be Tokyo. It could also be a, you know, any any city. But yeah, I can definitely see Tokyo. I mean, more like, are you feeling that because of the way Tokyo is going, um, in terms of evolution of the city? Well, there is there is that thing uh, a little bit special about Japan is the fact that 
you know, Japanese population right now is uh, declining because mm. apparently people are not making um, as many babies as they should. Was okay. I don't I don't know. Is that not a good it. thing for population? <laughs> yeah, right. But <laughs> but uh, so the problem is Japan is an island. They don't let that many people in. Uh, from a definitive point of view, they let tourists in. When they do, right now they don't. Um, but getting you know like married or um, uh, how how do you call that? Uh, when you have Divorce. no, <laughs> uh, when you can live in Japan forever, you have a, a, res- a residence card you and all a, that stuff. Yeah, um, that that's still you know like that's still not that common. Um, and the fact is, their population right now is declining, and Japan is mainly um, um, city of I mean a country sorry of services. And the thing is, there is less and less younger people, more and more older people. So there is less and less people to do those services. Mm. And this is partly why Japan is trying so hard to develop and kind of automate so many things via AI, computing, etc. is they know that if they're going that route, at some point, they were just there's just not going to be enough people. Mm. Um, but that's that's far fetched from the from the red light thing. But I don't know. For example, London is one of the cities in the world with the most camera per kilometer squares. There's cameras everywhere in London. Yeah, but I also think London is like pretty far behind with AI or any kind of face recognition technology, to be honest. Maybe, but still, you know, we're, we're talking about, I don't know, like 20 years from now, even if it's not facial recognition of you blowing a red light, you know, it still could be, I don't know, like the police getting really, really fast bicycles to chase you. Or, but it's just like cities getting more and more severe and more and more controlling about traffic. If I'm still riding fixed gear and running lights when I'm 56, bro, <laughs> I'll pay the fines. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it here. He'll pay the fines. Yeah. He'll pay everything. Yeah. Yeah, twenty years from now, I'm fifty-six, man. That's that's that's. Let's not think about it. Let's yeah, exactly. It. You keep mentioning twenty years. I'm like, oh, oh no, yeah. not twenty yeah. years. Uh, you know, you know what will be uh, definitely be gone in twenty years. What? It is this podcast, and this is why you should subscribe right now. <laughs> <laughs> is that a good time? Uh, yeah, it is a good time. Uh, and I guess it is one more episode, uh, done for the Lisbon Society. It was a pretty good one. I like doing the, the loop thing. Uh, so I might draw, I might, when I listen to the podcast, I might redraw the loop to, so you guys can have like a, a visual thing. Uh, but yeah, that wraps up another episode.
As always, everything we discussed today will be in the show notes on the blog, slutspeciety.com, along with the various articles and write-ups I post every two weeks. Uh, when you're going to listen to this, probably the last write-up I posted is going to be about a Bianchi Pista concept. So you mm. might want to check that out. Uh, if you get value out of the show, why not consider putting value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash podcast to join the community. We're pledging at any level we grant you access to the extended cuts of the pre and after show. Little note on that, I just, so our Patreon account kind of just got uh, more official, I guess, verified, let's say. Um, and I, I was able to turn on um, yearly subscription. So oh. you can now subscribe for an entire year and you get like, I think it's a 10% discount. Um, so if you're into if that, you want to stick um, to monthly, stick to monthly. <laughs> yeah. If you want to stick to monthly, stick to monthly, hundred percent. Special thanks goes to our 34 Patreons, uh, backing us into that crazy venture. That's the Slussman Society. And as always, thank you so much for your support. You can also find us on our discord server. The invite link is also in the show notes or is our Instagram account at Slussman Society. I go by at underscore pull underscore you and Rob at KarenZ.co. Sharing the podcast with your friend is by far the easiest way to support the show by giving us a good review on the platform of your choice. The music for the show is Lovely Swindler by Maria and the illustration is by me. One last thing you want to say before we go to the pre-show. Thanks for listening, as always. Have a great day. You can feel he's not completely awake. (laughs) Bye for now, guys. Have a good one. See you next time.